0: On Start On Demand. demand.
1: Interesting legislation being pitched in Ontario as it pertains to work-life balance, specifically the right to disconnect. Some potentially huge news unveiled in our Breakfast with the Bombers segment today when we spoke with Wade Miller as it pertains to the Western Final on December 5th. And we had lots of fun today talking about alarm clock chicanery. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, October 26th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. And we had a conversation yesterday about pre-pandemic behaviors, and one of the things that came up is, you know, we're going to make sure we try to protect our work-life balance a little bit more, and we were talking about the things we do with our cell phones, and, and wouldn't you know it, Lorraine, Ontario, it's like they were listening to our show yesterday.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is what happens in Ontario. They tune into CJOB, and then they think, you know, we should make a law about that. That's a great idea. So, yeah, it's so funny. You just mentioned how when you get home, you... Sometimes just, you know, I think you said you toss the phone on your bed and you sort of feel that relief at the, that you can just disconnect, even if it's a few minutes, a few hours, maybe you're heading out. Well, Ontario, they're working on this disconnect legislation that's going to ensure that employers recognize that they need to give their employees the break at the end of the day. They're going to try to figure out a way to craft an email ban, an after hours email ban. And it's got a lot of people saying that's cool in theory i think greg but i i don't know how you put this in practice some companies have done it over the years they've said you know they might put signatures on that say you don't have to answer after hour my hours are not the same as your hours that kind of thing but this idea that there would be a law that says your company if it's more than 25 people has to create a system to which you know the rules around email i I don't know I, i part of me was like oh Good. And then I thought, how would I even do my job if that was the case, though? And if i am I really going to complain about it?
0: Well, I just wonder if there's an opportunity to opt out. Not that you would necessarily want to do that, but it would be, as you mentioned, Loren, impossible for many people to do their job without the ability, A, to connect with uh, people within your organization or people from outside of the organization to to connect with you. But there are lots of jobs where really, let's be honest... There's no reason for anybody to talk to you after 5 o'clock. At least there shouldn't be. And if there is a reason, Brett, it means you're important enough that either you have a high enough salary to justify that sacrifice in your life or there is compensation for you to do just that.
1: Yeah, or maybe there is an urgent handoff that needs to be made. Like, for example, uh, no one's going to be emailing us at 4 in the morning, right? So they might have to tell us something at 7 p.m., Uh, knowing that we'll either see it that evening or potentially the next morning. I know that our management has been pretty good With saying, hey, just giving you a heads up—you don't have to act on this tonight. Just you know, for when the next time you crack open your email, and for other people too, turning off the email might also be impossible if you're running a small business, for example. Like I've been on the golf course with guys, like the guys at Torque Brewing, for example. Like I've played in a golf tournament with them once, and I think there were three of them with me, and at various points through the afternoon, all three of them were wrapped up on their email because they all had fires to put out. You can't just turn it off because you're playing golf.
0: Right, and that's why I think this legislation, Loren, applies to companies with 25 or more employees. Yeah. So uh, there's an acknowledgement there. Uh, I know that uh, one of the corporations one of, that I worked at before I got into radio, we had sort of a two-hour window where we were expected to answer an email that was received. I don't know how the company monitored that, but they sure seemed to know. <laughs> when at any
2: you- time of day? Like
0: mm-hmm. The-,
2: mm-hmm.
0: the policy was two hours, so... You that's can the take opposite
2: that. of a ban. That's that's oh, like you need to respond. It or was else. it
0: was the opposite of a huh. ban, and it was uh, it was troublesome because that extended into the weekend hours as well.
2: So we're going to chat more about this at six thirty seven. But love to hear from listeners now seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Would it work in your line of work? Would you like this? Does it sound just crazy to you? Or is this kind of conversations you think we're going to have post-pandemic? Emails, hours, times to connect, times to get away. I always feel, personally, if it's really important, a phone call will happen. But you can't phone everybody in your company. And sometimes those emails have to go out uh, if they're really important ones. So I don't know. We've certainly received emails off hours that will advise us of meetings that are coming up within, you know, half hours or that afternoon that we should be trying to hit. So you're, they, those are always the best. A, there's clearly an expectation there that we're getting that.
0: Zero consternation when those emails show up in your inbox. Yeah. yeah. Please join us for this in 90 minutes or 15 minutes time. Yeah. <laughs> those yeah. are the
1: best. It's 1.30 in the afternoon. I'm just about to lie down for a nap, and there's the reminder, oh, there's a there's a staff meeting coming up at 2 o'clock. It's like, ah. Oh. <laughs>
0: It's time to play the
1: feud. <laughs> that is not the music that I was expecting, but I love it. The uh, the very public turmoil at the very top of one of Canada's largest and most well known corporations has been earning comparisons to one of the most popular shows on cable television, Succession. You want this enough to go to war with your family? It's rebellion. Sabotage, deliberate attempt
3: to
4: undermine my whole business.
5: That's the death pit, take a look.
4: I feel like I might not like it in the death pit. Stocks got below 130. We could death spiral here.
0: Who's in charge right now? Yes, life imitating art is nothing new. The timing, though, is fascinating as season three of Succession premiered October 17th. It's an amazing look inside a massively successful yet severely dysfunctional wealthy beyond words family. But, Loren, take us back to the real life.
2: Okay, so we're talking about what's going on with Rogers. And there was an apparent pocket dial to Rogers CEO Joe Natale, and it's thrown the telecom giant and its board into turmoil. The Global Mail reports Natalie overheard a plan to oust him via this pocket dial, igniting a leadership battle. As Global's Eric Sorensen explains, the fight has left one of Rogers' family members on the outside looking in.
6: Rogers, a telecommunications colossus founded by the late Ted Rogers, spans wireless, cable and internet to mass media and ownership of the Toronto Blue Jays. What is normally kept private in the corporate offices has spilled into public view after Edward Rogers, Ted's son, tried to replace the company's CEO, Joe Natale. Soon, Rogers and other family members were on opposite sides.
5: And so this is a fight within the family, not a fight within general shareholders, and therefore it's quite different than what we normally see in business.
6: Other big names have been swept into the fray. A former Ontario Premier, David Peterson, is a board member. And the mayor of Toronto, John Tory, a family friend who sits on the Rogers Family Trust's advisory board, and tried to mediate the feud. To assert control, Edward Rogers, the company's board chairman, tried to replace five board members, including Peterson, with five new members. The board, which includes Rogers' mother and his two sisters, balked then voted to replace Rogers as chair, insert board member John McDonald in his place, and retain the board of directors. Edward Rogers, still a board member, has now moved again to replace the five members, this time in his capacity as chair of the family trust that controls the company's voting shares. In a statement, the control trust chair, Edward Rogers, says he has lost confidence in the board of Rogers Communications. Roger's board was taken aback, stating the company is not aware of this mechanism ever having been utilized in respect of a public company in Canada and will look into the legality of this course of action.
7: In all my years uh, involved in governance and boards, I've never heard of someone being able to do this. The election of directors typically takes place at a shareholders meeting with uh, proper notice and everything like that. (laughs)
6: There has always been a fascination in popular culture with the personal infighting and in family business empires. I want to see what other news operations we can sweep up. And just like a television script, the stakes are sky high because Rogers is in the midst of trying to buy Shaw Communications for $26 billion.
7: So how do you stop that process and change the team midstream? It just puts everything at risk. You know, Edward could not have chosen a poorer time to start a boardroom battle.
6: The Shaw merger would make Rogers the largest telecommunications company in the country.
7: The
5: family clearly have to figure out what they're going to do. This will be a very dominant company, and we n- really need stability in our telecommunications companies because we rely on them so much.
6: Rogers' board of directors says it remains committed to merging with Shaw. But will there be a house cleaning of the board itself before that happens? Eric Sorensen, Global News,
0: Toronto. It's fascinating stuff, and the outcome and details of the squabble aren't just for entertainment. As Eric Sorensen points out, this company is Canada's largest cable television service and wireless service provider. They have over 10 million wireless customers, guys. And they are looking to get even larger with their proposed acquisition of another family empire, Shaw, based in Calgary.
2: Yeah, so if you're shareholders of Rogers, you know, you might be thinking, what the heck is going on? If you're a customer, I think you have the right to think what's going on in, in a company that you're buying into just by the b- bills that you pay every single month. And man, Brett, I keep getting back to what the Globe and Mail first reported is that he learned of this plan to uh, oust him via a pocket dial. And I, I, I just... You know, like, that's just such a, I mean, I've been nervous of doing that before. I've also re- been on the receiving end of those before. And usually they're just pocket noises, you know, where you hear yep. the rustling of jeans or the car's driving, it didn't connect or that kind of thing. <laughs> but man, to have a whole plot unfold over the phone. Hey.
1: And hey, you can always count on me to boil it down to something really stupid. All I'm concerned with is, are we still going to get our discount on our Shaw cable? No. <laughs> <laughs> Right now, we want to continue our conversation that we started about a half hour ago. If you're just tuning in, it was just yesterday. We were talking about work-life balance as it pertains to pre-pandemic behaviors we're not going back to. And for me, one trick that I, I try to do, I don't do this often enough because if it's beside me, I feel completely tethered to it, is my cell phone. So sometimes when I am when I realize I can't put it down and it's taking me two hours to watch a an hour-long TV show, I get up, I walk to my bedroom, I chuck it on my bed, I walk away, and I immediately feel better, Greg.
0: Well, you know what? We have a little bit of a charging station set up in our kitchen for all our different devices. And on Sunday, my phone was running low on battery. And instead of doing what I often do, and that's to go get a cord, and plug it in in the wall at the end of the couch where I like to sit if I'm watching football or or something else. I put it in the kitchen on the charging station just for an hour. And Brett, I felt so much better just even having it. It was in another room. I could I could hear it pinging. I could hear it bonging, but it wasn't within reach. And so uh, this is very good advice, uh, if I may endorse it, Brett. So Ontario's Ministry of Labour says workers have the right to disconnect and are introducing legislation to ensure employees recognize, employers rather, recognize that right, Loren. But critics say the idea, while good in principle, is not very practical. Global's Matthew Bingley reports.
4: She answers more emails after hours. Brian Stewart's workday ends when he leaves the construction site, but it's a different story for his wife. I wish she could be done the same
8: time as me. At the end of the day, that's it, and have family time.
4: Ontario's government says it's going to do more to protect that work-life balance. Workers know when they're on the company clock and when they're off. The Minister of Labour is introducing new legislation which will require businesses with 25 or more workers to develop policies protecting their employees' right to disconnect. This is going to be in the uh, Employment Standards Act, uh, enforced by... Uh, Our ministry uh, inspectors and every company uh, will have to create a a policy. Again, the the lines between work uh, and personal time has really blurred. A good idea in theory, says this employment lawyer, but not so much in practice.
0: I can't imagine an employee actually going and filing a complaint against their employer with the government saying my employer uh, didn't prevent me or or still sent me emails off hours. It is is a practical matter. I don't see how a policy like that Good idea in principle, but I don't see how it has teeth.
2: Good idea in principle, but can they really put that into effect? So the law in Ontario is going to require employers with twenty-five or more employees to develop these disconnect from work policies, as Matthew Bingley of Global News said in that report. But this does exist in some companies already. I know there are companies that do it, and France—I I was at least five years ago—they developed a law that was similar to what Ontario is doing, where if you're a company of fifty. Employees or more, you cannot email an employee after typical work hours. Now, in France, there's no teeth to it in that there's no fines. It's more what they call a charter of good conduct. So they create this charter within the workplace to which both the boss and the employee are expected to follow it. And then you can file a complaint, although there's, again, like there's no punishment for the company if they're caught 70 times sending emails out to employees. But at least the employee knows that the employer has set out these rules. In some jobs, this just isn't going to work. But if you think about it, it's just, it's because we've forgotten. It's so easy to forget guys, but it wasn't so long ago. I mean, what, 10, 15 years. I'm trying to think for my own work when I got my first BlackBerry, at least that you didn't know certain problems or even, you know, certain issues had arisen until you walked in the doors. And now you walk through those physical doors or you, We exchange texts and say, well, did you guys see that email? Well, the expectation is that we're supposed to know ahead of work hours what the problem is and maybe even have an idea of how to solve it before we're technically on the clock, so to speak. And so it wasn't that long ago that that's how we, many of us, not maybe in our industry, but lots of people did do their jobs.
0: No question. And think about... Some of you, we, we use the word consternation with regard to uh, the bomber jet situation December 5th. The consternation about going back to work after a holiday, whether it's a couple of days, a week, or two weeks. How many of us check our work email ahead of going back to the office? Maybe it's an, a Monday after that holiday. Because in our mind, we've convinced ourselves it's easier to be on top of what's going on before we walk in and in a position to deal with situations we're going to be met with on Monday versus being blind to it all and then st- sort of starting to work from it on Monday. Yeah, we've um, there's there's a real issue here in terms of that that blurring of lines between work life balance and. not practical for everybody, but I think where it is practical, I think it's important that some guidelines, some boundaries be created, Brett.
1: I, and when you think about the number of communication chains, there are ways oh. that to communicate. So when you look at, yes. at, if I actually get a phone call from someone at work, it's a very rare thing. And it's almost like, I'm almost kind of happy to answer the phone. It's like, hi there. I haven't heard your voice in a while, but you can get text messages. You can get emails. We are on Microsoft Teams and we have various communication chains in there. And then there's the social media. So whether uh, people are reaching out to us on our personal or through work, I've had weekends Almost disintegrate on me just because it's a Friday night. I'm, you know, enjoying myself. I'm relaxing. I get a message on my Instagram. No malice intended. And and I certainly wasn't angry at this person, but it was a listener who reached, who, you know, interacts with me from time to time on Instagram and says, hey, Brett, I'm just checking in. I didn't get my prize. So it's 930 on a Friday. And now I feel bad for this listener who wants to know when do I get my prize, but I'm not good at the same time thinking, Dude, I don't want to contact our promotions team at 9:30 on a Friday, but now I've, I'm feeling this anxiety all over again. And there's sometimes it's impossible to run to turn that off.
2: Well, Jen texted to say they better be prepared if they want a response from me on a Friday night, they might get an email that's not exactly coherent. (laughs) So that's the other challenge to it too, right? You are out enjoying yourself and you respond differently. And I don't mean with alcohol or other, like you just, you're you're home. You're watching a show, you're relaxed, you get that note. And it might say, don't answer this till Monday, but now you've got it Friday. Or they might say, don't answer this till tomorrow. Well, I've got it now. I stupidly looked and now that's what I'm thinking about, right? And so that's, there's no win for the boss sometimes and there's no win for the employee. I But I think it wouldn't hurt if we all put our phones away for a lot of reasons.
0: Well, so many of us are in the situations we're in, Brett, customer-centric, right? You're focused. You want to satisfy that customer. And so that's, in a lot of cases, why we do what we do because our personalities are that way. And then it just becomes a just self-defeating spiral because we take those things so personally. It's a delicate, delicate balance.
1: Right now, we want to talk about alarm clocks. Loren, you brought this up, I think, last week, the week before. What inspired your uh, consternation over alarms? Well, if you
2: have more than one person in your house, and even if you don't, you got different systems to get yourself up, and then you have other people that need to get up, and then children that need to get up, or maybe you need to wake yourself up because you're like a child and you're acting like you're 14 still and can't get out of bed. But uh, I just dropped into the wheel there, Brett. Just, first of all, the sound that goes off for me every single morning... And I picked this.
5: I like that. I like it too. I've had this
2: for like a year because I thought it was like bouncy, right? Like it's nice. It's not aggressive. It gets me out of bed, right? Yeah. (laughs) So that gets me up and going. But then I get downstairs and for whatever reason, my husband has two phones. One's personal, one's for work. So that makes sense. But he sets alarms on both phones, but doesn't often take both phones with him. Uh So then like, you know, a couple hours later, usually mid-show, you know, six something, I'll just, we'll just be getting on air and then boom, I hear that annoying, which is so loud and annoying. Fine. We don't need to listen to this whole thing. 7.21 every single morning. My son's alarm goes off on his device, and it's... I couldn't get it to work this morning because guess what? We haven't been able to disable that alarm on that phone since he since we handed it over to him. It just plays games, and he messages his grandparents, and that's it. Somewhere along the way, he set an alarm for 7.20. And we can't shut it off, so I just got me thinking, what are your ways to get you going in the morning
1: all right, well let's go around the horn here, Jeff Braun I got two I got the one on my
3: phone, and then I also have a just a proper uh alarm clock, and that one is not it used to be sort of on the other side of the room so you'd really have to get out of bed to go turn it off, which was you know helps you stay out of bed sometimes, but now I've got it it's out of arm's reach, but if I throw one leg over and pivot i can smack it off and then swing myself back into bed without fully having to sort of become conscious to do it so that's and both these things go off about 45 minutes before i actually get out of bed i don't know why i put myself through this every single morning hitting snooze three or four times on each one but that's a system that works for me for now but i do find every couple of years i have to
1: radically alter my system where i'll just start
3: sleeping through alarms
1: Couch potatoes are in agreement on that front. I have to do the same thing. i got to change the routine eventually because inevitably there's some sort of a disaster where I sleep in for work. Uh, Cam Poitras, what about
8: you? Well, you know, the worst for me is, like, long weekends, weekends. You know, obscure holidays to Americans. And I use the word obscure in in air quotes like Apple will be like my Apple iPhone will be aware about Canadian Thanksgiving. Most Americans know that Canadians have Thanksgiving in October. At least I think they do. At least they send me a notification saying, oh, it's it's Canadian. It's it's Thanksgiving tomorrow. Would you like to turn off your alarm for whatever godforsaken hour I wake up at? absolutely thank you so much but if it's like victoria day the americans got rid of the queen back in 17 uh, 1776 they have no clue about victoria day i get the alarm at 4am if i don't like have to check it to see like oh you know i better remember to turn it off or like terry fox day on august (laughs) long the civic holiday nope they have no clue about that they don't send me my little notification so i yes i do blame the entire uh united states for waking me up during those (laughs) days because they're unaware of holidays in canada
2: and then, does your, like, do your partners ever blame you? Like, I'm irrational when the alarm goes off when it's my husband's, but I expect him just to lay there nicely and listen to my well, mom's music <laughs> I, at, like, 3 I do in it, the morning. I
8: do it every single day, so I, I always feel bad. That's why I, like, hit snooze, like, A, as soon as I possibly can. But there's no way it doesn't wake you <laughs> up. So, I, I just, if, if, her, if her alarm's going off, I just, I'll be like, well, oh, you know, that's one out of three hundred and sixty five that I give you every single day. So, so your alarms every- are set
1: to go off automatically. You don't actually have to arm them yourself no, daily.
8: I, they set they set automatically for me, yeah.
1: Okay. I mean and that's probably a good idea because there the danger in not having it do go automatically is that if you forget to do it, then serious problems could arise because I have two alarm I have an alarm clock that goes off And then my phone alarm starts going off, and then uh, the backup alarm goes off while the phone alarm can potentially continue to go off. Mackling, what about you?
0: Oh, what was the name of that band uh, back in the 80s? OMD, Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark? That's what Boy. goes on in my house every single night. <laughs> so I try to go to bed, say, around 7.30, 8 o'clock, 8.30, 9, depending on what's going on. Inevitably, I have a TV on. And then uh, dogs want to uh, to lie with me. So then uh, one of the boys will, will bring, Abby wants to sleep with you. Okay, great. Thanks for waking me up one time. And then uh, the boys uh, go to bed at their different time. And then there's there's typically shouting or some sort of disagreement about who gets to sleep with which dog and whose turn it is to do this and do that so then i wake up and then my alarm goes at 2:45 and i can hear jackie sort of you know mm, kind of that <laughs> mo you know like really turn that mm thing Hurry, off get out of right the room. Yes, 2.45, 3 o'clock, then I get up, and then uh, because we have uh, an en suite, so then the light goes on, the fan goes on, I have my shower, and then we sort of do the two ships passing in the night thing. She gets up to go to the washroom while I get dressed, lights are on, she goes back to bed, checks her email, goes to bed, and then the lights start flicking on down the hall as the boys take their turn getting up in the middle of the night, and everybody goes back to bed, and I can only imagine what a disaster it is every single morning around 7 o'clock.
1: And Forte, you got something quick? Oh, I I use the same alarm as
2: uh, Loren's husband. And, you know, every time I hear it, it gives me anxiety for some reason. It just, I don't know why. It jolts me. It jolts me even when I'm awake. But uh, I have one alarm, and I I set it for earlier than I need to. I set it up for 4 Mm a.m. I could sleep till 4.20, but I don't because the first 10 minutes of my day, I always start off with little whining and complaining about my alarm going off. So I, I need that time to just roll around and complain
4: and get ready for the day. Like,
2: to yourself? Yes. You just moan into yourself? Yes. Angry? Oh, yeah. That's
1: the best. We want to pose this question Are we seeing a rise in gun and gang crime in Winnipeg?
2: Yeah, and Brett, we're asking that this morning because, of course, there was that up, that weekend shooting just outside Bar Italia on Corridon, and there's been, you know, a different shootings over the weeks and years that had us wondering what's going on with gun crime. So this Bar Italia incident, uh, witnesses said this guy was being escorted out of the bar by sh- security staff shortly after midnight. He apparently tried to get back inside. His bouncers held their ground. Witnesses then reported what they thought was this guy on his phone, but then minutes later, a half a dozen shots ring out at this nightclub. So we have this video, if you want to see it, surveillance surveillance video at globalnews.ca. It appears to show a man dressed in dark clothing, pull out a gun and begin to walk back towards the bar's front doors on Corden and then, the suspect points the gun as several people who had been at the front door scramble to get away. But it's all very terrifying seeing Greg. And again, we're wondering, what's the deal with guns on our streets?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, in order to do that, Hal Anderson spoke to the commander of organized crime, Inspector Elton Hall. Good morning, Hal.
9: Hey, guys. Good morning. Yeah, uh, I'll start my show at 10 o'clock connecting Winnipeg with this interview uh, with the new uh, commander of organized crime in Winnipeg, Inspector Uh, elton hall Uh, when it comes to guns our joe Scarpelli also talked to inspector hall and i'll i'll let joe break down some of the numbers here because of course um we started to the gunplay of late has us talking about this but on the weekend the head of the police association in winnipeg Mo said there are just as many guns on the streets of winnipeg as toronto well here's are Joe Scarpelli to explain the numbers?
8: In 2020 alone, Winnipeg police seized 1,226 firearms. More than 750 of those were used in a crime. That same year, Toronto police seized 1,844 firearms. Around 660 were used in a crime. So
9: Sabrin's not wrong. Depending on how you look at the numbers, uh, they call them crime guns. Uh, In 2020, Winnipeg had 754 crime guns. Toronto had 660. So guns seized that were used in a crime. Yes, in fact, uh, Winnipeg had more. And I I asked Inspector Hall about all the gunplay of late.
5: Yeah, you know, springtime, uh, I didn't think uh, we were all that busy with uh, that type of violence. But in the last four to six weeks, there seems to be more gun violence. Uh, For whatever reason, so our guns and gangs unit are uh, actually working very hard uh, in a community right now trying to figure out what's going on.
9: And where are all the guns coming from?
5: Our proximity to the United States uh, has uh, definitely impacted the uh, gun violence in Winnipeg and across Canada. And this is one of the biggest challenges for urban uh, policing in Canada right now. As well, one of the things we need to start looking at is um, the trucking industry, and, and we have Centreport here now, it's been around for approximately three years, and that's uh, uh, as obviously a port for uh, trucks uh, to come into Canada, and, and we're uh, centralized for that, so... Uh, When I look at some of the stats, I do uh, think that a lot of these weapons and a lot of uh, illicit drugs, for that matter, are coming in through Centreport and being distributed across Canada.
9: So uh, the numbers, you heard the 2020 uh, crime gun numbers. I'll just rattle them all off here for you for several years. 2017, 720 crime guns in winnipeg in 2018 769 790 in 2019 as you heard 754 in 2020 and so far this year 602 crime guns seized. That's so far this year so uh, inspector hall admits not a great average but the city isn't seeing an increase at least not in crime guns and in fact, he believes crime guns are on the decline because he says they're working really hard to seize guns and they're having a harder time uh, increasing their seizure numbers. So there you go, guys. Uh, and i also talked today on my show with a 3D expert, a 3D printer expert, because that's another way. Uh, to manufacture a gun. We hear about zip guns, right, that are made out of bike parts and all kinds of other stuff. Well, you can now, with a a 3D printer, print a gun. And so we'll talk to an expert about that, and I'll start my show
1: with the full interview with Inspector Hall. That's scary stuff, the 3D printer gun. And yeah. I, I don't know, how, if you remember, I think the movie was called In the Line of Fire with Clint Eastwood and John Malkovich, and that was mm-hmm. one of the tricks that he used in his assassination plot. He created this weird little plastic gun, and at the time it just seemed so like you know, it was a movie. And So now to hear you say they can print guns with 3D printers, uh, yeah. that's scary stuff.
9: It is, yeah. Anyhow, lots more on my show at 10.
1: Hal Anderson, the host of Connecting Winnipeg, on from 10 a.m. until noon on 680 CJOB. Nice to get an early visit with Hal. It Mm -hmm. is 7.13. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And before we sign off here, any closing thoughts uh, before we move on, Loren?
2: I just have so many questions about, you know, what you do to stop this. We've heard for years about guns getting in from the states and how it's happening. And so, you know, I want to reach out to other folks who were named there in terms of, well, how can you do better with uh, the smuggling of guns coming into this country, because that's not new, but if more are coming, then we need to do better.
0: Magley. Biggest question for me is, is it affecting where you go? Say for dinner, after dinner, entertainment, is it changing your habits at all? Are you thinking about this as closer to front of mind than it's been in the past?
1: asking you to text us about alarm clock nonsense for a chance to win two tickets for celebrations dinner theaters production of night at the museum of rock stars and chris texting us chris rutkowski ufologist chris rutkowski who joins us on 680 cjob from time to time and he says my best alarm clock when i was trying to get my kids up and ready for school was very low tech They would never get roused by loud music or noises, so I had to resort to a cup full of water tossed at them in bed.
0: Just a cup? (laughs) My mom, it would be a full-on, like, four-liter pot of water. Oh, absolutely. Oh, wow, really? Uh Uh-huh. At least, I want to say at least three times throughout high school, my mom (laughs) resorted to the pot of water.
2: Oh, bless her. I like it. I've never done that, nor have I been on the receiving end of that. Jessica uh texted us to say in her freshman year, she went around to every single teacher and friend I had and told them to scream, wake up, into my phone. I recorded all of them, set it as my alarm, which ended up not going too well as it
0: startled me and I threw my phone across the room. Oh. <laughs> but at least <missed> it
2: worked. <laughs> I don't like the creativity there.
0: <laughs> okay. I'm getting text messages from home right now. I got to share these with you. It's pretty funny. I've I've gone uh, in. This is for my wife. I've gone in at least five times now. T- we wake each of them up. Brendan's going to be late, girl. Uh, uh, please order him a manual loud alarm clock. <laughs> this is this is this example of conversation that goes on between Jackie and I. At least three out of five every three out of every five weekdays
1: one of the things that happens with my alarm clock too is that i mean it's a cheap clock it's like a 15 dollar walmart special that i have to replace every couple of years because it just it's so cheap but a couple of weeks ago i had a situation where the like the radio was on but i couldn't hear it i just woke up to this very thin white noise but then as soon as i stood up then it came to life it was as though like I was the, you know, sometimes you work as like an an antenna amplifier. So for whatever reason, I was too far from the alarm to actually work. So uh, that uh, gives me, I really should like invest in a decent clock and not just cheap out on that. So
2: I have to stop promising to get you this for Christmas and just make it happen.
1: Yeah, what talked you, about
2: the alarm clock that rolls away from you. We looked yeah. at a couple weeks ago the one that's like a helicopter that lifts away from you. Yeah,
1: that sounds fun. Maybe we fun. could create like
2: an LED situation where it starts flashing like a nightclub.
1: Ooh, I like the sound of that. <laughs> okay,
2: instead of, instead of drink <laughs> scenes, sir, someone just. Throws a drink at you instead, walks in like a real-life bartender.
1: I like the nightclub idea because I used to wake up to Coolio's Fantastic Voyage back in, I think, (laughs) 1990. Yeah. I had my stereo set to play (laughs) Coolio's Fantastic Voyage every morning. So it kind of just, I woke up bobbing my head. I'm like, all right, I'm ready to get up. Breakfast with the Bombers, brought to you by the Cooperators. Find an advisor at cooperators.ca, a better place for you, because in just over two hours, tickets for the first CFL West final in these parts since 1972. Go on sale to the general public.
0: Now, I feel obligated to set the record straight on a couple of things here, Brett. Of course, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have hosted seven East Finals, all of which took place at Old Winnipeg Stadium. The first was in 1987, and the last one in 2011, as the Blue Bombers defeated the Hamilton Tiger Cats to advance to the Grey Cup versus BC Lions. That, at the time, was supposed to be the final game played at Canadin Stadium. Wade Miller is president and CEO. CEO of the winnipeg football club good morning wade good morning congratulations on clinching first in the west uh this has to feel good
10: oh it feels good it's uh you know just great that we have time to uh you know get our fans and, and give them time to buy tickets for this game which as you said go on sale at 10 a.m this morning to uh the public um really strong pre-sale to season ticket members in the last uh 48 hours so uh it's been great and just gives us a little extra time to sell some tickets for that game on december 5th
0: well i referenced that game back in 2011 and it was in my mind all things winnipeg cold and sunny it was about a minus seven temperature at kickoff hard-hitting game and the bombers won of course and the game was a complete sellout what would a sellout at ig field on december 5th mean to the players the league and the franchise itself
10: well, it would uh mean a lot I, I think there's uh maybe some different uh situation you know that was the last game at Canada in Stadium, supposedly, so I think there was a little more than just a playoff game in that one uh you know but uh we look forward to having our fans out you know we embrace the cold weather um you know we our tailgate area is converted over to the big warming hut out there, the fire pits, which is like that for all the games in the fall and uh you know, for the December 5th game, we may have a couple extra things on the concourse. We think we may bring Santa out for that game and, uh, you know, have an opportunity for people to sit on Santa's lap since so a game in December, which hasn't ever happened. And, uh, you know, things are different in the pandemic. So let's embrace it. Let's all go out and have a great day. And uh, it's going to be unbelievable hosting the West Final, and it's going to be loud at IG Field.
2: Yeah, it's going to be great. I was at that game in 2011. If I recall, my beer froze, or the top layer of the beer froze. But that didn't stop yeah, anybody.
10: <laughs> wait a second. That's your fault.
2: <laughs> I didn't drink it fast that's, enough, right?
10: Yeah, exactly. you, you got to drink that beer quicker.
2: So. <laughs> so there's a lot of time. You mentioned December 5th, of course, is the, the date we all have our eye on. But there's a lot of time between now and then. And, of course, we talk to the coach and the players about what they do at that time. What does your organization do? What do you guys do to sort of prepare both on and off the field? And of course, there's that home game, November 6th. There's two away games. How do you talk to your staff about gearing up for that Western final?
10: Well, it's uh, it's another game day for us. And uh, we've got a great, uh, great team off the field. And uh, from everybody in our stadium ops to everybody in fan services and our retail store, just got an amazing team all the way around. And, you know, um, we're we're uh, champions on the field and we're champions off the field and just uh, lucky to work with uh, such quality quality people that uh, make it easy and uh, you know make it a great experience for our fans and you know this hasn't been an easy year for anybody and uh, you know our staff did a great job game one and that just continues on of getting our fans in the building executing around concessions you know it's a tight labor market for everybody tight for us too and you know, we have a lot of game day staff and fan ambassadors that come out and are a big part of making that experience great for our fans.
1: You mentioned things haven't been easy. Well, things, quite frankly, are never easy for this franchise. You know, like on a day that's almost 50 years in the making, the Blue Bombers are sharing the sports spotlight with the Winnipeg Jets on December 5th. Now, we just wanted to play a clip from the last night's Blue Bomber Coaches show. Uh, this is Patrick, and he, like tens of thousands of Manitobans, is a fan of both teams.
7: But I've only got one problem. There was a Jets game on that same night. And maybe you can help me out on, on this, Bob. You know, like, like we're season ticket holders for both Bombers and, and the Jets. Mm-hmm. I, I heard, Todd, that they, they might be moving the game or something. Or uh, Have you heard anything about that? Yeah,
3: there's talk about that. I don't know if it'll happen. Uh, the West Finals at 3.30. Uh, the Jets play at 6 that night. Uh, and I know there are discussions going on to see if they
1: can get the, the time between games lengthened a little bit. We'll see how that works out. So, Wade, is there any chance of movement for the start time of either game?
10: Uh, stay tuned. So, there's yeah, stay tuned. Uh, we're working uh, through that. We know that you know we have the best fans in this uh, province and city, uh, so we want to figure out a way and and just stay tuned. We're, we're working through that right now. We did say no matter what, we will have buses that are going to leave from the transit terminal and go directly downtown uh, for the hockey game. So we have a way for you to get there safely uh, as well, and we'll do that for sure. Uh, But uh, stay tuned on the start time of the game.
0: Right on, Wade. That's uh, potentially some uh, stellar news here. So lots have been made of the Blue Bombers move to what i think the consensus is now the top of the list is the premier franchise in the canadian football league and so many comment on the culture which has been created within your organization how have you gone about that and has that been the focus sort of people first wait
10: no it's about doing the little things right every day and, and and uh you know it starts with who you have running your football operations and and then the people and the players in the locker room and, and they're a special group. Um, and, uh, people want to be a part of that. And you know, it takes time to do it. It takes time to do it the right way. Um, which our fans afforded us and, uh, we with us all the way through. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, growing pains along the way. And now we're seeing the, uh, benefits of doing it the right way, which, uh, which takes time. And, uh, you know, we're gonna see it December fifth in the West final and, and you know, you think about that stat of uh not a not a home game, Western final since nineteen seventy two. There's been some tremendous football teams that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have had over the years, and not to host a West final. Uh that's something to be part of. And so December fifth, um I can't wait to see and hear how loud it's gonna be. Uh, in our stadium uh, for for that game
2: just before we let you go away, I just wanted to ask. You mentioned the buses that you're trying to provide or you're working to provide. Should you talked about staying tuned? If you can move either game, great. If not, there is that conflict as we mentioned, and it would put the Bombers game uh, not quite ending before the Jets game. So you're talking about a scenario as soon as the game ends. If this is what we have to work with, the buses would go or they would go early. Like what's the what's being worked out right now?
10: Uh, well, no, look, look we have a uh, hundred buses in our park right sitting there. So if people want to go downtown and leave early because we're so far up on the competition, yes. like yes. like the last game, then we'll get the buses going. That, that's fine. Yeah, so uh, we're going to be very flexible with this, and uh, you know the buses are sitting there. Uh, so if if we want to fire them up, we will. And uh, if fans want to do that, we're all about our fans. So we'll we'll find a way. We'll start those buses early and get people down to the the hockey game uh, if they want to go. Uh, and uh, go inside after uh, being outside. So for sure, we'll we'll figure that out and have those buses running early enough for everyone to get to the game.
1: Well, and uh, but for anybody scared of the cold, I think Loren kind of nailed it. Uh, she figured it out that... They- the colder weather is going to keep your beer colder. You don't even have to worry about that. So,
10: well, that and you go to the warming huts where you can get coffee, and there's other specialty coffees there in the stadium already, right? That we have in the fall games and the warming hut outside in the tailgate area and the fire pits going out there. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, like I said, we, we did this a few years ago and said, hey, we play in cold weather. Yep. We're Manitobans, we're mm-hmm. Canadians. Come out and enjoy it, right? Um, you know we see the festival the unbelievable event that is every February, and it's way colder so let's let's go out and have a lot of fun and Lorraine will drink her beer quicker now. Wait, she now no
2: hang on, I need to learn more about these specialty coffees to be honest with
10: you. <laughs> oh yeah no there's there's uh six or eight of those stands throughout the stadium oh. uh, where you can go get your specialty coffees and and we may add uh you know a couple other things for you know the holiday season and uh you know we're we we actually think that businesses should do their holiday party at this game because um, holiday parties are so 2019. So, <laughs> you know, we're talking to businesses now and we're saying, you know, why don't you come really out and bring do. your staff, right? So, yeah. uh, you know, and, and again, we're coming out of a pandemic and you're not sure what you want to do for a holiday party. Well, come celebrate with your team and a big win. Drink some specialty coffees, see Santa, you know, you know, it's, we're going to have a lot of fun with it.
0: Well, and let's face it, it's every bit as cold in Chicago or in Green Bay, Wisconsin in January as it will be December. Well, you know, it could be five or six degrees, but even its coldest day, you know, there's nobody stopping uh, Packer fans from filling Lambeau Field minus five, minus 10, minus 20. So, this is really an opportunity for us to show off and say, Hey, this is our medal. This is what we're all about. We're here to support our team no matter the conditions. Wade, we look forward to keeping in touch with you on uh, all sorts of stories and storylines around this game. Thanks so much for this.
10: Thanks, guys. Have a great day.
1: Deb sent us a really great story on alarm clocks.
2: Deb says, my mom grew up on a farm in Colville, Saskatchewan. They raised chickens and one of the roosters always woke them up in the morning. She loved the sound so much, she purchased this alarm clock from Kellogg's that the alarm sound is this rooster crowing. She woke up to this every morning and occasionally if we slept over, of course, we would wake up too. She passed away in 2015, but we still treasure this alarm clock. It is a real Keepsake, and Deb was so gracious as to send us the sound from the clock. <laughs> it? Yeah, Deb, I love the sentiment, but that's that, a lot.
1: That would be tough to wake up to, and uh, glad to hear the clock still going. Right, like that's the kind of thing where you wow. hope that it never runs out of juice. No kidding, that
0: is a classic. Did that come? does that got a Kellogg's label on it? Like the, the cornflakes label or something?
1: Yeah. Huh. Yeah. The, I guess Kellogg's made these alarm clocks. Really probably, cool. Maybe it came with a box of cereal or something. I don't know. <laughs> but right now, we want your feedback on our question of the day which is for Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. And you can also shoot us a text to weigh in on this. But Ontario, introducing legislation that will require companies to give employees the right to disconnect outside working hours should Manitoba... Do the same.
0: The Ontario legislation would require employers with 25 or more employees to develop disconnecting from work policies, which could include expectations about response time for emails and encouraging employees to turn on out of office notifications when they're not working, Lorraine. So
2: this would be a first for Canada, but these types of bans do exist sometimes in individual workplaces and other countries. France actually put a similar ban in place in 2016 on office emails. The question since then is, has it worked? Has it provided more work-life balance? Has it changed anything for either employers or employees? Amy Morrison is a professor at the University of Waterloo, specializing in new media and social media, and we speak with her quite regularly, and she joins us again this morning. Hi, Amy.
7: Hello. Hello
2: thanks for taking the time you know i think this is one of those things that we keep hearing good in principle but actually putting it into place is different can these work
11: (laughs) yeah yeah these absolutely can work um i will say that in in the courses that i teach at the university i have been enacting my own policies about the right to disconnect for some time i put on my syllabus that email is fast but it is not instant and i will respond to student emails i will read them within one business day and i will answer them within two business days and i've not had any problems (laughs) with that um... because it it teaches people the expectations around their availability and those expectations are often set from the top so when i am the professor in the room and i am the authority figure in that room i have the power to set expectations around my availability and therefore others' availabilities, right? In in the same way that I I say that I will never send you last-minute work to do, I will never put things online for you in the middle of the night, or I will set my deadline so that you have a reasonable amount of time to complete them and it won't require heroic efforts on your part. These are organizational changes with some technical in them, um, and we should probably say that um, I got this request from you, I think you sent it at 6.30 last night, and I answered you at 10.30. That's and when right. When my alarm went off at 6 a.m. before I even got out of bed, I was researching the topic from the dark in my own room in my pajamas on my phone, so maybe we're not the best people to talk about these boundaries.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Did we breach your availability, or are we... Do, well, do, you do
11: Right? I looked, so like in some industries like media, for example, where there's, there's breaking news and odd production schedules, so you guys don't work at nine to five, you know, you're at, at two or three in the morning, so you can do your morning show and your workday is usually done by mid afternoon, except that, you know, other people don't work just until mid afternoon or they're in different time zones. So if you want to get the sources you need for the stories you want to cover, sometimes you're working outside of those boundaries. And, and this is the original impetus for all of this overwork. We all thought it was going to be convenient. You know, some of the earliest advertisements for cell phones and laptop computers show people in work attire at their cottages, you know, or on the highway, on the, you know, sort of Pacific highway, the coastal highway, you know, doing their work. Like, isn't it great? You can work anywhere, right? Uh, we thought, oh, we're going to be untethered from the office, but what we didn't maybe realize was that we were all giving up that distinction between a space and time to do work and a space and time to not do work. And I, I think we're reaping Um, What happens from that, which is cognitive and emotional overload, um, a poor sense of boundaries and a tendency to be never fully attending to either work or your personal life because you're always on call for both.
0: You mentioned creating culture, and we were speaking with the president and CEO of the Winnipeg Football Club about half an hour ago, Amy, and they've really changed the culture there. They're they're now the football team that players want to play for, fans want to cheer for, and others want to work for. And you sort of alluded to the fact that this is a, a top-down ende- endeavor. And I want to give uh, some props to our uh, management here, because this is part of management uh, work emails uh, that come to us. My working hours and your working hours may be different. Please know I have no expectation that you'll read or respond to emails sent outside your normal working hours. This is something we get every single time we get an email from the top.
11: I love it. That's great setting that expectation because what normally happens in these organizations is that there'll be this idea that you can work within your working hours, but then one person starts to send emails after five, right? And then another person responds to that email, and you might miss an opportunity there. And so now you feel that because two people are communicating after hours that you also need to communicate after hours, or you're going to miss being part of a decision, um, or you're going to look like you're not Carrying your weight, like it's it's very very easy, particularly in this employment environment where we've learned to always be hustling, and where maybe often there aren't quite enough employees to cover the amount of work that needs to get done, and we can feel quite guilty for only working our contracted hours per week when other people seem to be exceeding those boundaries and and what what happens is it's just a little bunch of holes <laughs> that, that appear in the, in the barrier that separates our leisure time from our, our working time, and we always might be working and we always might not be working at the same time. And, and it's best to stop that from the top. And there are technical fixes for this too. So Daimler, um, the car company based in Germany, um, has this policy um, for the last five or six years where when you go on vacation, they erase all the emails to you that come in during that time. Oh. There's nothing worse than that first day back after vacation. Um, I know even in my work as a professor I will come back from, you know, my my two weeks away in the summer and I might have three or four hundred emails in my inbox and, and most of us um, then have a tendency on those last few days of vacation to start dreading it. Right? Or we're going into the work email on our phone to try to do a little bit of triage first and we're experiencing that bleed because it's overwhelming to come back to, to three or 400 emails. But Daimler will just be like, when you put your away message on for your um, vacation time that has been booked through HR, through the company, we're just erasing all those emails and people will get an autoresponder saying, you're on vacation, try again later.
1: I'd love that, Amy Morrison, because uh, my solution when I come back from vacation is I just don't read them. That's all the time we have, Amy, professor at the University of Waterloo specializing in new media. Thank you so much. We love talking to you.
11: Oh, thank you.
1: We had a conversation last hour with Wade Miller, president and CEO of the Winnipeg Football Club, and we want to continue that discussion on the Western final in just a moment. But a reminder, we're asking you to text us a story about alarm clock chaos for a chance to win two tickets to Celebration's Dinner Theater's production of Night at the Museum of Rockstars. And I see here
0: we have one from Roxanne. Roxanne says... My son, who's a university student, has a traditional clock radio with two alarms. One is the hugely annoying beep, beep, beep. Oh, you're being beep. generous with that sound. Yeah, I know. I didn't want to be too, too loud. I don't want to wake anybody up unnecessarily. The other is the equally irritating full volume rock radio, slightly off station. So there's as much static as there is music. He also has a Google Mini with three alarms blasting various music. And finally, his phone has three more obnoxious alarms set, all within the space of two and a half hours and (laughs) often overlapping. I work early hours, so he never wakes, uh, wakes me up. But my home office is right next to his bedroom. So I'm often the final alarm hammering on his door to shut the whole mess off. The worst part, his system is so complicated that he leaves everything set seven days a week, even when he doesn't need to get up or isn't even home. He's lucky he survived the last 19 months. Thank you, Roxanne. (laughs) Oh, that's gold. Keep
1: those stories coming for a chance to win those passes. And at the end of this segment, I want to read one from Vicky, who came up with a crafty way to get her kids out of bed with a hidden alarm clock. But... We want to talk right now about Consternation and Glee from Caller Patrick on last night's Coaches Show with Bob Irving. And Mike O'Shea, for those who did not get a chance to tune in last night.
7: Yeah, Coach, I, I just wanted to say thank you. Being at that game there uh, on Saturday night, just mind blowing. You know, like walking out of that stadium, every Bomber fan, it was unbelievable. So I, I just want to thank both you and the, and the team for giving that to us because there's just no better feeling. This year is something out of the books, as they say. So I, I just want to say thank you for that. But I've only got one problem. There was a Jets game on that same night, and m- maybe you can help me out on on this, Bob. You know, like like we're ticket stakeholders for both bombers and, and the Jets. Mm-hmm. I, I heard talk that they they might be moving the game or something. Or uh, have you heard anything about that?
3: Yeah, there's talk about that. I don't know if it'll happen. Uh, the West Finals at three uh, thirty. The Jets play at six that night. Uh, and I know there are discussions going on to see if they can get the the time between games lengthened a little bit. We'll see how that works out.
7: But on the bright side of things, I, I, again, coach, I I just want to thank you, you know, like, and uh, for every Bomber fan out there, right, y'all, you know, like, this is it. Again, thank you. Okay, Patrick. Thanks, Patrick. I, I think. Um,
10: have you heard anything about some sort of transportation between the?
5: Yes. The bombers going to the Jets games? That's
3: Yes, uh, I, I have there's uh, the like bomber yeah, the bombers are going to provide uh, bus transportation from IG Field to Canada Life Centre. If they could uh move the hockey game back half an hour to 6:30 and the football game up half an hour to 3, no problem, right? Then there's no conflict. Yeah. There. So yeah. we'll, we'll see if that can work out. That would
7: No, some, sometimes I wish I could be standing outside the stadium when everybody's leaving. <laughs> you know, <just laughs> yeah. to feel it because when Patrick said that, it's like, I like, just like to, to be a little closer to that and get that sense of, you know, how, how everybody feels leaving yeah. the game. So <laughs> it must be good.
2: It is good. It's a great feeling when you leave after a win, it's so much fun and it's fun to get on those buses. And so I think uh, Mike O'Shea touching on that transportation from IG field downtown to Canada life center really got a bigger conversation going about how they're working to accommodate this. You know, we, talked to Wade Miller about, what was it, an hour ago, guys, and he mentioned that bus transportation and the fact that, yeah, if they can't move the game, then those buses, they're prepared to send those buses early. If you're really somebody who wants to, and I think his words were, Greg, well, if you want to leave, if we're up by 40 points, which we will be in the final, you know, he was he's pretty excited about the fact that hopefully it's a good game and we're up. And if you want to leave, I guess you can to go downtown. The better scenario would be, As Bob suggested, you know, you move the CFL game up half an hour and the NHL game back half an hour and
0: Mm.
2: you you got it made.
0: So at a higher level, I mean, I think it's wonderful to be in a situation where both teams have fans so engaged enough to the point where they feel like Mm. they're making a choice. I think that's a tremendously good sign for both teams. That's you know, my opinion, anyway, a tel- television scheduling is typically the number one priority here, not to mention for the Blue Bombers to have their start time back, uh, bump back, like, let's say 30 minutes. That also likely means an adjustment to the start time of the East final. And right now that is scheduled to begin at one o'clock Eastern time. So is there an appetite to mess with that time, I guess only the folks at the CFL and NHL know for sure, uh, included in that group would be Wade Miller. And about an hour ago on Breakfast with the Bombers, Brett asked Wade Miller this question.
1: So, Wade, is there any chance of movement for the start time of either game?
10: Uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned.
0: Music to the ears of so many Manitoba sports fans. So, you know, I've dug a little bit deeply into what's going on on the NHL side because I thought they would be the biggest barrier Uh, myself, Brett, because uh, Rogers' hometown hockey was, until this year, a Sunday night event. On sportsnet so it typically featured a double header on those sunday evenings with canadian teams involved which would mean potentially adjusting the schedule for a national broadcast and the start time in another arena well in researching this situation for the 5th of december i discovered hometown hockey is now a monday night event which means the jets leafs game is not a national broadcast so is there some wiggle room there and is there wiggle room at the CFL level, Loren? I think maybe we got our answer from Wade Miller.
2: It sounds like there's wiggle room. That's what I read. You know, it, there's a stay tuned in there, Brett, which I liked Personally, I think the Leafs should be banned from ever coming here anyway. <laughs> so I don't know. I Like, is that an option that we can pitch and, you know, bring someone on to ask that question? But I there's so many things to take away from this. Like, it's been so great to have live sports back. It's wonderful to hear that the fan base, as you said, Greg... Has people who would want to go to both events, and our family is one of them, with the least fan in it. And so, I just, I, I like the, I like the love that is out there for the sports, and that there. We've also got two organizations who might want to work together. I think that's really cool. And um, I also liked Wade's suggestion. Bread of another idea he pitched was a Christmas party at the game.
1: That's a tremendous idea because. I don't, like, when you asked the question in our group chat, are are companies doing Christmas parties this year? And by now, we would have heard if ours was doing one, and I imagine our company is not going to have one. Uh, And I imagine a lot of companies probably are not going to have, you know, sort of work-sanctioned indoor events. But to propose to do the party outdoors at a football game. I think that's a great idea. Good for the Bombers for coming. Like, that's super creative and super easy. And what a way to bring people together to enjoy some jocularity and enjoy
0: Manitoba. And it also takes the double vax question out of the hands of the companies in question, right, in order to attend. Uh, That's a Blue Bomber, that's Manitoba uh, government public health policy for you to be double-vaxxed in order to enter IG Field. So it takes a lot of pressure off organizations that might like to have a Christmas get-together, but how do you enforce that? Well, that's one way to go about it, I would say. There are some win-win-wins in that proposal.
2: And not to mention, what's one of the big challenges of Christmas parties in the best of years, pandemic aside, transportation home. The public transportation is there. You can get on a bus and get home.
0: So another another it's good call. All
2: or- not to mention the specialty coffees that he talked <laughs> right. about.
0: So now we know management uh, proclaims that they don't work the same hours as we do, but hopefully they're listening this morning and they're listening right now. I think it would be a great idea for our Chorus Christmas party. You have?
2: Oh, it's already gone out. The text has already happened. Brilliant. (laughs) Yeah, about an hour ago. I don't care what time it is. Answer me.
1: And at least the Bombers (laughs) have legitimate uh, local craft beer on tap at IG Field, right? Unlike the Jets, uh, they have their craft beer corner, but the beer is based out of BC. So that's a big zonk as far as I'm concerned. But another thing, too, if you're going to the uh, Bomber game and going to the Jets game, Yeah, I would imagine, like, if you're having a layer up, you might be a little bit uncomfortable at Canada Life Centre. But I guess that's something you, if you're going to the bomber game, you're going to wear that as a badge of honour. So if you show up at Canada Life Centre, everybody's going to know where you were.
0: That's a really good point as well. What are you going to do with those extra layers, Brett? You pointed out it's sometimes difficult to find a place to put your coat. When you go to a Jets game. So uh, there are lots of logistics, lots of moving parts here. And once again, I'll go back to my original statement off the top. I think it's just fantastic that so many people in our market care so deeply about both these teams that it's even a big deal.
1: Alarm clock Chaos. We're asking you to tell us a story at 204-780-6868 for two tickets to Celebrations Dinner Theater's production of Night at the Museum of Rock Stars. We're going to pick a winner at 9.15. Vicky's text made me laugh. Vicky says, when my three sons were younger and had to get up for school, I got them each an old-fashioned looking alarm clock from Sears with the bells. But instead of ringing, each clock was decorated like and made the sound of a farm animal, cow, pig, and rooster. The rooster was the most annoying one. After they set the alarm and went to bed... I used to go into their rooms and hide it somewhere so when it went off in the morning, they would actually have to get out of bed to mm. find it. So that worked like a charm. I'm writing this one down, Vicki. Thank you. And on another note, my friend and I talk about inventing an alarm clock with the sound of a screaming baby, which, sidebar, also good birth control for young adults, LOL. <laughs> if you're a dog owner... You know that nothing gets you out of bed as quickly as that heaving sound a dog makes right before they yeah. throw up. <laughs> nothing makes you jump out of bed faster than hearing that sound. Perfect sound for a gross alarm. And that you could you could interchange, I think, dog or a cat. Yes. Yeah. If there's a cat Anything at the edge of the cute. bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I have, I have jumped out of bed in so many, so many, like dead sleep. And I can hear and feel the cat at the end of the bed doing that. And that's oh. just, I'm out of bed, and I'm grabbing the cat to try to get it at least on, like, hard, hardwood floor that I can just clean up, because if it's on the carpet, it's game over. Oh. So that's a good idea, Vicky. It's a very unpleasant idea, but if it gets you out of bed, gets you out of bed?
2: I hadn't heard of this next one. Have you, have you guys? It's from a listener who says, my son has been working from home. To stop him from just turning off the alarm and staying in bed, he has an alarm app on his phone where the only way to turn it off is is to scan an item that you put into the phone. So he picked the barcode of the air freshener in the main bathroom. So he has to get up and scan that code, you know, to turn off the alarm. Well, she says, that's great. But one weekend, he came out to the lake, Saturday morning, 6.30 a.m. The alarm goes off. The barcode's not there. He did get it off, but with all of us up. We made coffee, had a great family time on the deck. So all was good in that case. I hadn't heard of that being a... Thing you could do. With I, haven't, scanning.
1: I love this idea. There are so many creative ideas out there. Like I once heard of something where you, you mount this thing to your wall in another room and then you lock it. And the only way that you can get into this lock is you actually have to do um, some sort of a math
0: equation. Oh, yes. 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 So yes.
1: At, like if you're awake, like if I wake up at 235 and I got to walk from my bedroom into the kitchen and turn on the light and do some sort of complex math equation, that's going to wake me up. Because I got to figure out how to use my brain. Uh, But I would probably just end up taking a sledgehammer to it. So let's be honest. If the thing is locked and I got to use math, I'll just break it.
0: Well, and I think you're lucky you're in a concrete apartment block. Uh, Some of those uh, buildings, those newer buildings now that they're stick framing out of wood, I can just imagine the the absolute disdain your neighbors would have for you if it lived in one of those buildings or any one of us did you know the alarms going off at 245 249 253
1: well the wall between the bedrooms is not concrete it's not no I learned that I learned that the hard way when I first moved in and Pardon the guy me. next door was playing a movie at like eight in the morning on a Saturday oh,
0: great. What, what what kind of movie? I thought this story was
2: going somewhere else altogether.
1: <laughs> oh, what, because of vaccinating season? No, no.
2: Because, well, because he just said the wall's between the bedrooms, so I immediately was like, oh, no, stranger sex.
1: Uh, it was not that movie, by the way, G-Mac. Not okay. that kind of a movie. No
0: Chicka Bow Wow? No.
1: <laughs> no. no That's that. in our
0: uh, lexicon now, right, on the morning show? Loren started it yep. last week with Chicka Bow Wow. <laughs>
1: We want to continue the conversation uh, about crime and gun violence in our city, Loren.
2: Yeah, so of course we talked about this for a couple of reasons. First of all, over the weekend there was a, a shooting that outside Bar Italia. And Global News just obtained that surveillance video that you can see on our website, globalnews.ca or cjob.com, of, of what appears to be this man outside the club with this what appears to be a handgun and sort of the scene of shots being fired in and around them had us asking questions to police just about gun violence in winnipeg and is it on the rise and then asking the follow-up question to that greg when you hear about that does something different go through your minds in terms of where you want to be times a day places you will or won't go because of gun violence we had you know we've had listeners text in saying hang on you know like knife violence is bad has always been really bad in Winnipeg and that's absolutely true but something different goes through my mind when I hear of someone hurt killed or even just the sounds of gunfire because of sort of the bigger impact that could potentially have on a mass bigger scale right a gun gets fired someone pulls out a knife outside a club is very different than someone pulling out a gun and firing it into that crowd
0: yeah well we had we had a stabbing at a high school dance back uh, when I was in high school. That was interesting. That that made me think twice about going to high school dances, but they sort of changed the policy. There were no longer, if I remember correctly, uh, individuals from outside of our school allowed after that incident took place and then of course uh in the nightclub days you, you did pay attention to what was going on in the club at least i did subconsciously was keeping track of the sort of people that were that were making their way into places and typically brett i would pay more attention when i was in somewhere other than my home field where i had home field advantage so to speak i always wanted to know you know were there uh you know guys in uh, motorcycle gang and 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 other uh, jackets making their way into certain places because i had a little bit of a policy that you know once there were two or three uh guys dressed a certain way and i hate to judge but this is what i did because you, you can't predict what's going to happen but uh i felt safer you know if there was a certain number of patches in a room it was time for me to leave And, uh, well, I'm still here to talk about it, so I guess it worked out okay. But, look, uh, there have been shootings in nightclubs before – Uh, There have been shootings in nightclubs, and that's been the last night those nightclubs have been open, if you think about it, over the years. That has been the death knell for several businesses over years in the city of Winnipeg. But I think it's got to have you thinking twice about where you go, doesn't it, Brett?
1: Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up nightclubs because there have been a number of nightclubs over the years where we just simply stopped going or the nightclub took steps to try to weed out certain elements. Like I used to go to Euphoria all the time, which was at Windsor Park Inn. And on Saturdays, for whatever reason, it started to become more violent. And the bouncers and staff would go around the room just kind of very quietly handing out passes, like get in free passes, here's a free drink pass, because they wanted, they were trying to get more people to come back and overwhelm this element of uh, you know this crowd that had kind of infiltrated the crowd. I remember Empire, which is now the Palomino Club and we're going back like to the 90s for Empire, same for Euphoria, but Empire that's at the corner of uh, Maine and Vantine or M- McDermott right Maine and McDermott. yeah uh, that was a club that uh, that definitely had uh, gang violence, a reputation for gang violence. people were getting stabbed downstairs. so I stopped going to Empire and there was another place on Portage Avenue. Which I think was actually called Avenue, and yep. it was There's a sh- place
0: called Avenue on Portage. Yep.
1: Yeah, it's. I think it's now. Um, oh, is it the beside the APTN building now? I think where they. I think they may have expanded into. It used to be an old bank. It was an old CIBC bank at the, I think Portage and Hargrave.
0: Right. I think APTN is in there now. Yeah, that's I think right. They expanded yes. their
1: uh, their operation. Sure. But, but, so we're going back to the early aughts for this, I think, and it was open maybe a year because again it developed a reputation for violence and there are certain places that i just when i was going out to places like that if i once i found out it was uh, that that certain thing was happening i would stay away from it because why why put yourself in a position where something could happen loren
2: yeah i guess you know there's there's might be places there might be times a day location that has you you do that checklist when it comes to your safety but uh, like overall the police have been talking about the fact that just gun crime is potentially on the rise they're watching for that and they're looking for different access points you know elton hall who's one of the inspectors he was interviewed by hal and you're going to hear more of that in about an hour's time but he said 10 or 15 years ago, you might see illicit drugs and guns coming up the West Coast and then being shipped east across Canada. Now you're seeing a lot of it just coming central into Winnipeg by whatever means. He talked about, you know, through trucks at the border, all the rest. And so what's going to be done about that? Because I I just, I I know all sorts of weapons kill people, but a gun in a crowd can easily hurt 20 people versus another weapon, or 30, or 40, or 50, depending on how it's fired and how quickly. And so the gun equation adds a new element to it for me.
1: Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we have tickets to give away for Celebrations Dinner Theater's production of Night at the Museum of Rockstars based on your text messages on alarm, clock, chaos. And Greg, I understand uh, there's one from a mom who has to wake people up even when she's not there?
0: My daughter, like her father, can't wake up to an alarm clock. Even if I am ever away from home for one night, I have to set my alarm and call him to wake him up. My daughter needed to have her alarm very loud to wake her up as well. In high school, a group of kids went to Disney in the U.S. to perform a song and dance piece. She had to share a room with three other girls. When her alarm went off, the other three girls had the crap scared out of them, running around trying to figure out what was going on lol all the while my daughter continued to sleep through it all so how about that uh louisa loren uh,
1: sent us uh, an incredible story a tough this was a tough one not to go with but uh this is our runner-up
2: so louisa says i used to work for a cab company and in the morning my colleague who worked midnights would call me for my wake-up call I also had my alarm clock. Well, one morning my alarm went off, but I knew I'd be getting my wake-up call soon, so I went back to sleep. Little did I know that my husband had turned the ringer off for an afternoon nap before leaving for the road as he was a trucker. After my colleague called several times, she sent a cab driver to come and knock to wake me, and I slept through that. She sent another. Still nothing. Finally, it was nine, and I was supposed to be at work at 7.30. They called the police, thinking something had happened. I woke up seeing a huge man putting my kitchen window back in, and I thought I was being broken into. Finally, I had the courage to yell from my bed, "'Can I help you?' The man responded, Winnipeg Police, ma'am, are you okay? <laughs> the poor police officer actually had to climb through my small mobile home kitchen window because uh, she didn't a- answer the door knock. So, oh, police, Louisa, that is a commitment <laughs> to You
0: get that Z. every day, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Winnipeg Police, Brett. <laughs> Time for you to go to work.
1: How's that for an alarm clock? Love that. But uh, our winning text comes from Bronwyn, who says, I was a young bride. 21 years old, new to Winnipeg, new to Canada, and military life. My new husband was a stickler for time. If one was on time, one was late. He's had a large, round, copper wake-up clock with two bells on each side of its face. So the first time it went off, I thought my heart would burst. I was so scared. He was on time, of course. It was probably the next morning around 6.30 when I was awakened by this monstrosity when without thinking... I reached for the book I was reading and threw it at the clock. I had a great aim, and the clock was smashed to smithereens. He looked at me in shock and said, I guess I'd better get another clock. That was in 1960, and we were together for 59 years when, sadly, his time ran out. I would give anything to have that clock back. Bronwyn, thank you very much for sharing that story. That's, uh, that made us all, uh, you know, feel fuzzy and stuff so we appreciate that and you're the winner you win the tickets for celebrations dinner theater so congratulations and thanks to all for participating as usual we love your stories hey thanks for listening to the start podcast we are available on apple podcast google podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts subscribe now and never miss an episode and if you like what you hear rate the show tell us what you think